the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hello and welcome as we lift up Jesus with Pastor Dudley Rutherford. I'm Kyle Welch. This program is part of an outreach ministry from Shepherd Church located in Los Angeles, California. Everything we do at Shepherd is based around John 3.14 that teaches us to lift up the name of Jesus that the world might believe. We want to come alongside you in your journey with God and help you become stronger in your faith so you can better serve Jesus and share him with others. Our pastor is Dudley Rutherford, and we join him right now with his message for us today. I want you to take your Bibles and turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and grab your sermon notes out of your bulletin. I want to speak to you on this subject of what's that smell? And I want you to turn to your neighbor and just say, what's that smell? What's that smell? And then say, I thought it was you. I thought it was you. There's a familiar saying, and I I hope you're uh, not sitting next to a fisherman, but there's a familiar saying that says, old fishermen never die. They just smell that way. The average human, if you're human and you're average, you're able to detect 10,000 different odors. You have that ability. A dog can detect 200,000 odors. A politician (laughs) produces 300,000. No, that was a joke. That was a joke. Uh, Some odors are bad. Some odors are good. Bad would be stinky feet, a skunk. If you've ever been to a pig farm, uh, rotten eggs, The top three of the worst things are raw sewage, vomit, and a decomposing body. I hope you never have to smell any of those things. Good. Here's the good odors. Freshly baked chocolate chip cookies. You ever walked into a room with that? Sizzling bacon. Anything that is barbecue. A pot of fresh coffee. New car smell. Rain, cinnamon buns, Lord have mercy on my soul. Then you have cologne or perfume. Did you know that there are 8,000 different fragrances on the market today? 3,000 different ingredients go into that, those fragrances, ranging from fruits to flowers to wood to animal musk, mixed in different combinations. The most expensive ingredient in perfume is musk, which is the secretion produced by a male elk. I know that's kind of hard to believe, but when it's created, it's the the most putrid smelling thing you can possibly imagine. And they take it and they place it in alcohol for months on end, sometimes even up to a year, and that putrid smell turns in 
to something called Chanel number no. five. <laughs> In the Bible, we find the words fragrant or fragrance over 40 different times in the Bible. In our text today, 2 Corinthians 2, it tells us that we as Christians have a distinct fragrance. We call it a smell fingerprint, if you will. You say, what's that smell? Write this down. It's a fragrance of perpetual victory. And I want to read uh, just these verses, 2 Corinthians 2. We're going through the book of Corinthians in a series. Last week we looked at chapter 1. Today we want to look at chapter 2. Next week we'll be in chapter 3, Lord willing. But chapter 2, verse 14 says, But thanks be to God, who always leads us in triumphal procession in Christ, and through us, those of us that are saved, spreads everywhere the fragrance of of the knowledge of God. Verse 15 says, For we are to God the aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and those who are perishing. To the one we are the smell of death, but to the other we are the fragrance of life. I want you to go back and look at verse 14 one more time. Thanks be to God who always leads us in triumphal procession in Christ. Now, in Paul's day, when he wrote this, and he used those two words, triumphal procession, his readers knew what that phrase meant. Most of us today do not know what he's talking about. Uh, but that's why you come to church, is so we can explain this to you, amen? And I want to give you a little history lesson. If you go back to Paris, France, there's an arch called the Arch of Triumph, and that arch, this beautiful arch, was created and built in the year 1806. It is on the western end of the famous street in Paris called the Champs-Élysées. And that arch was built by Napoleon, who was the king of France. And the reason Napoleon built that in 1806 was to honor the French army. Anytime you see an arch like that, it is symbolic of the passage between or the gateway between life and death and again this arch is 213 years old but the arch of triumph in paris was built or modeled after another arch that's found in rome called the arch of titus which is on the eastern end of the ancient roman forum Rome, this is dating back to the first century. This arch is 2,000 years old, built by Domitian to honor his brother Titus, who was the Roman emperor that was the one who went to Jerusalem in the year 70 AD. You remember that Jesus had prophesied while he was on earth that Jerusalem would be destroyed, that not one stone would be left upon another. And sure enough, in 70 AD, Titus, the Roman emperor, and his father Vespasian, they came to Jerusalem in 70 AD. They completely destroyed the Temple Mount, Herod's temple. The only thing that's left is the foundation of that temple, which is today the Western Wall. You can go to Jerusalem today and still see the foundation. It's one of the most uh, holiest places on the face of the earth where people pray. 24 hours a day at that foundation. But Titus goes into Jerusalem 2,000 years ago, 
destroys Jerusalem back in Rome to honor him and his victory over the Jewish people, uh, they build this Arch of Titus. Now, in that arch, up in the southern panel of that arch is an engraving. And in that engraving, you can see the, it is depicted the Roman soldiers who have ransacked Jerusalem, carrying off the spoils of war. You can see a menorah in that, uh, in that engraving. You can see the golden trumpets that were taken from the temple. You can see the shovels that were used to remove the ashes from the altars. And this arch is, again, ancient Rome, near the Colosseum. The Arch of Titus was built to honor Titus in the destruction of Jerusalem in 70 AD, and that arch is still standing today. When you go to Rome, you can go visit it. Now, Rome had a custom that whenever a Roman general was victorious, they would have had a celebration in the streets of Rome. And they would have built a monument somewhere in Rome like the Arch of Titus. And they would have a parade. They would have a procession. And in this parade or this procession, the, the winning, say the word winning, the winning general would come walking in or riding in on a white horse. And behind him would be a parade. Directly behind the winning general on the white horse, and I have another photograph here, a drawing that is depicted of what I'm about to share. This is a G-rated version because the real version is X-rated. You'd have the winning general on the white horse But the losing general would be stripped, would be chained, would be humiliated, and would be drugged behind him on the dirt through the streets of Rome. But out in front of the parade, they would have a herald, an announcer who would say, hey, we're having a procession, we're having a parade, Rome, Rome has won again. And they, there needed to be a herald, a runner, to share the good news that Rome has won. And the idea was this. If you had a parade to show that the general had won, it was a picture that all of Rome had won. And in our text, stay with me, in our text in chapter 2, Paul, the writer, is the herald. He's the announcer. And what he's announcing in verse 14 is that Jesus has been victorious. And it's the idea that if Jesus is victorious, then all Christians, all believers are victorious as well. Now, if you know anything about history, for a long time, Rome never lost. They had victory after victory after victory. So they had parade after parade after parade. They built monument after monument after their generals who were successful in war. But if you study history, Rome started to lose. And then they started to lose a lot. Then they were nothing but losers. And eventually the entire empire was conquered. But Paul writes to the church in Corinth these words, Thanks be to God who always, never been defeated, who always leads us as Christians 
in triumphal procession in Christ. In other words, we never lose. We are perpetual victors because Christ won, because He won, we too win. The Bible says that one day Jesus will return in the book of Revelation and He'll come in riding on a white horse. And guess who's going to be tied up, chained up, subdued, shamed, stripped, dragged along behind Him in that procession, but old Satan himself. Satan is the one that wants you to doubt that you're victorious. When I stand up here today and I say, hey, you're all victorious, some of you go, well, I'm not very victorious. That's what Satan wants you to believe. But the Lord wants you to know and Paul wants you to know that if you're a believer and you are in Christ, that you have perpetual victory through Jesus Christ. Now, number one, number one, write this down. Who is the dynamic author of this victory parade? Make no mistake about it. The only reason we're victorious is because of the risen Christ. Your victory is in Christ. It's not because we've had some successful general. It's not because of the politics of some political party. Your success does not come from the size of your bank account. Your success is not because of your good works. Your success is not because of your good looks. Your success, your victory comes because of what Jesus Christ did for you on the cross. Just a few books to the right of Corinthians is the book of Colossians. And in the second chapter, I want you to look at these three verses. They are powerful verses. Paul wrote to the church in Colossians, when you were dead, everybody say dead. You got to think about this. When you were dead, lost, gone, everyone in the world given up on you because of your sins and the uncircumcision of your sinful nature, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave you of some of your sins or all of your sins. He forgave you of all of our sins. Verse 14, having canceled the written code with its regulations that was against us, that stood opposed to us, he took it away, nailing it to the cross. And verse 15, having disarmed the powers and the authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. I want you to write these three things down. Christ delivered you from death, He delivered you from debt, and he delivered you from the devil himself. Every single believer in Christ is victorious. You have been delivered from death. When you die, you don't really die. As a believer, you have the promise of everlasting life. He's delivered you from the debt of your sin. Every one of you has a debt to pay. But he paid that debt on that cross, and he delivered you from the devil. Now, back in the Bible times, in Rome, if you lived in Rome, if you ever committed a crime, they would have a trial. And uh, your sentence at the end of that trial would be written down on a piece of paper or a parchment. We actually have records of these parchments. We've seen them. Your sentence would be written down. What you had done, the crime that you had committed, and the penalty of your crime, they would take you and they would throw you into prison 
And then they would nail on the door of your prison, your prison door, they would nail that parchment that had your crime and your sentence. It was right there for anyone to read what you had done and the length of your sentence. And the prisoner would stay in prison until his sentence was completed. Then the guard would take the prisoner back to court with his sentence in hand. And the judge would ask, is this the man? Yes, this is the man. The judge would ask, is this his crime? Yes, that's his crime. Is this the penalty of his crime? Yes, that's the penalty of his crime. The judge would then ask, did he complete his sentence? And the guard would say, yes, he completed his sentence. And then the judge would take the sentence and hand it to the clerk and tell the clerk, stamp it, and the clerk would stamp it, paid in full. Then they would give the parchment back to the man who'd committed the crime. In the Greek language, they wrote down the word tetelestai, and tetelestai is a phrase that meant paid in full, it is finished. So the man would take that parchment, and as he walked through the streets of Rome, if anyone ever recognized him and said, hey, you're the guy that did that crime, he'd say, yes, I am that guy. And they would say, arrest him, arrest him, and he'd say, you can't arrest me. Here's my sentence, and it would say on there, tetelestai, paid in full, it is finished. The Bible says that Jesus took our debt that Jesus took our penalty, that he took the handwritten ordinances that were against us, and he nailed them to the cross. And when he died, he paid the debt of all of our sin. And if you read the Bible on the cross, right before he died, Jesus said those exact same words. He said, Tetelestai, it is finished, paid in full, and then he died. Satan comes along, who's the accuser of the brethren, according to Revelation chapter 12. Satan says to God, God, there's a man down there named Dudley. He's a sinner. He's no good. He's broken the laws of God many times. And God, you are a holy God. And Dudley's a sinful man. I think you ought to throw him into hell. And about that time, Jesus stands. He's my defense attorney. He is my advocate, according to the Bible. And Jesus says, yes, Father, this is the man. He has sinned. But Lord, here's a certificate with his name that says, Tetelestai, paid in full. It is written, and he shows God the nail-scarred prints in his hands, and he says... His sins have been paid for in full. Glory, hallelujah, and all God's people said, amen and amen. Jesus died on a cross for every one of us. He shed his blood as an atonement for your sins. And then he walks through the prison of humanity. And he says, I want that guy's list. Give me that girl's list. I want her list and his list. And give me her list and his list and her list. Give me her list. I want 
her list and his list. I want his list and her list and give me his list. And he takes all of those lists of our sins and he goes to the cross and he dies so he can stamp on your list those words paid in full. We have perpetual victory because Jesus delivered us from death. He delivered us from the debt of sin and he defeated the devil on the cross. We live in perpetual victory, ladies and gentlemen. Number two on your list, the second point, is the dynamic arena of this victory. Yes, I want you to know who the author is, but I also want you to know the arena. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 2, verse 14, thanks be to God, who always, I want you to circle that word in your notes, who always leads us in triumphal procession. We're always in that procession. And through us, he spreads everywhere the fragrance of the knowledge of God. And when Paul uses the word always, and he uses that word everywhere, tell me, what did he leave out? Nothing. You say, well, pastor, does that mean it's smooth sailing for me from here on out? All honey and no bees, all roses and no thorns? Does that mean it's all sunshine and no thunderstorms? No, 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 no. That's not what that means. What it means is that if you have any problems, that you will be triumphant over those problems. You can't be triumphant unless you're triumphant over something that's bad. If you look up at the two preceding verses before he talks about this victory, the two verses right before he talks about this, he's talking about how things didn't go well for him that he had come to Troas, he wanted to preach, things didn't turn out there, so he had to leave and go over to Macedonia. He says the only reason I had to go to Macedonia is because things weren't working out the way I thought they ought to work out, which is true for all of us. We all go through times where things aren't working out the way we think they ought to work out. But he says in spite of that, Christ allows us to be in this parade, this triumphal process forever and ever and ever amen he says always and everywhere it's not triumph sometimes it's not triumph some places no it's triumph everywhere it's triumph at all times there is no time there is no place where the child of god is not victorious in your situation in your circumstances your family your job your health You are and always will be triumphant. Now, right now, you might be going through a tough time. He's not saying you're not going to go through a tough time. He was always going through a tough time. It's a blessing for us to bring this program to you every day. We exist only by our faithful partners who support us through their prayers and financial gifts. If Pastor Dudley's message has been a blessing to you, we would like to encourage you to consider joining in partnership with us so we can continue to be here every day to bless others with this important ministry. Your gifts, whether large or small, are greatly appreciated and go directly to help keep us on the air. You can find out more about supporting us by calling our toll-free number, 888-818-4777. That number again is 888-818-4777. 4777. We have operators standing by and ready to take your call. You can also support us by going to our website, liftupjesus.com forward slash reach. That address again is liftupjesus.com forward slash and then the word reach. If you're like me, 
you've discovered there are some books in the Bible that are not always easy to navigate through. Like, for instance, the book of Proverbs. Proverbs contains 31 chapters and can be very daunting to go through if you are looking for a specific topic. That's why Pastor Dudley has created the perfect resource to help you with the book of Proverbs. It's called Proverbs in a Haystack, and it is our special offer for everyone listening today. Proverbs in a Haystack removes the challenge of searching through the book of Proverbs. It has over 2,000 topics that easily cross-reference to the exact chapter and verse you are looking for. This invaluable resource can be yours right now for a gift of any size to the Lift Up Jesus radio ministry. You can receive your copy of Proverbs in a Haystack by calling us at 888-818-4777. That number again is 888-818-4777. You can also order this book directly from our website, liftupjesus.com. That address again is liftupjesus.com. We know you will be blessed by this unique resource created exclusively by Pastor Dudley. So be sure to call right now and ask for your copy of Proverbs in a Haystack today. I'm Kyle Welch, inviting you to join us tomorrow at this same time as we again lift up Jesus with Pastor Dudley. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.